0: What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats guerrera He
1: is Levin Black. What's up, Levin? I'm ready. I'm still in grumpy mode. Probably will be until something actually happens. There's a couple things that are pissing me off this week. Some the fans, some players, all Niners related. And I even got some non-Niners related stuff I want to talk about. First of all,
0: you don't need grumpy mode. That's default mode. Levin (laughs) Black, the human wet blanket. Uh, If you are new to the show, you get the Niners Hot Takes mostly from me and the Niners Cold Truth mostly from Levin. We got a bunch of stuff to get to on today's shelves. Perfect time, rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We're going to talk a little Trey Lance, a little Jimmy Garoppolo. You've got beef with George Kittle, which, by the way, Thank you to everybody that checked out the interviews that we had last week for Super Week: George Kittle, Trey Lance, Deion Sanders, Debo Samuel. Uh, all of them except Debo are on the YouTube page because Debo uh, wasn't on camera. And you can, of course, download all of them in podcast form. Let's start with that Kittle issue, Levin, because I loved talking with him. He seemed perfectly nice. Uh, He—you could definitely tell—he's tired of the Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance questions for sure. Like just. Not only what he said, but his body language, like he seems ready to be done with all that.
1: Yeah, yet he still is not saying what I like. And that, that's my problem. So Jimmy is, you know, all but gone. It became clear, especially I would say after they lost and how many players came out talking about Grappolo that Garoppolo was the offensive leader, which isn't that surprising considering he's the quarterback. But there's going to be a void there. And Lance isn't going to be able to truly pick up that void until training camp, you know, until he's actually able to sit and play with these guys and practice with these guys. It's hard for him to truly step in and be seen as the leader. The guy that's left that's seen as the leader is Kittle. Kittle needs to be a bridge because he is an emotional leader in that locker room. And he was also extremely close with Jimmy. So he is the guy that I think should be coming out and saying, You know, we appreciate Jimmy, but we're ready for Lance. Lance is going to kill it. You know, all that type of stuff. But that's not what he's doing. He's hedging his bets, and it's pissing me off. You know, he did a couple interviews, Super Bowl week, and then it's got a couple quotes here that he did with, you know, Colin Cowherd that I think he voiced it in a more particular manner in this interview that kind of illustrates what I'm mad about. He was asked about, you know, moving on from Garoppolo and going to Lance. And he talked about how, you know, he has to learn the offense. He still says Lance has to learn the offense. And he has to learn how to make the right reads to get the ball out quick because that's what Jimmy is very good at. Like, what are we doing here? You know, like, to me, that that's just him hedging bets. He's He's still talking about, oh, Jimmy's perfect. Lance needs to get to that level. That's not the message we need. The message we need is we have moved on. This is Lance's team now. We're ready to hit the ball running right and go win that Super Bowl. And instead he's talking about Jimmy's really good. We're going to miss him. Hopefully Lance is as good as him.
0: Yeah, I think a couple of things. One, I think it's pretty clear Kittle likes Jimmy Garoppolo as a person. They are friends. They clearly have a relationship. Even when I talked to George, he mentioned how people are trying to drag Jimmy through the mud. And I tried to explain to him like, dude, we don't no one has a problem with Jimmy Garoppolo the human being. It's not that. And to criticize his play is not to attack him as a person. Um, But I think, George, he just likes him. And, you know, if you if you see your friend getting dragged professionally or personally, I could understand him being defensive about that. But the other thing you talked about is a bigger issue for me. You don't want Trey Lance to be Jimmy Garoppolo. He doesn't need to run the offense the way Jimmy Garoppolo ran the offense. In fact, you drafted him because he won't do that. You don't want someone to run the offense the same yeah, way. Yeah, you drafted he, him because Jimmy wasn't good enough. He's going to hold the ball longer. That's He's not going to operate the offense the way Jimmy operated it. Jimmy was a back foot hits the ground. You should be throwing the ball. Make your read and go. That's not what makes Trey Lance great. What makes Trey Lance great is the opposite is the fact that he can drop back. If he sees something short that he likes, he can throw it. But if not, if he thinks there's going to be a bigger play that opens up, he can use his mobility, hold the ball longer, extend the play, and then has the arm to make the throws deeper down the field. So for Kittle to say that he needs to run it like Jimmy, like you don't
1: understand the assignment, George. That's my problem. Like, you know, he wears the shirts with Jimmy. He's had that relationship, you know, publicly with the media where they kind of play with each other, wearing different shirts of each other. So he is the guy. He's also, you know, the veteran superstar on this team now offensively. I feel like he is the guy that needs to come forward and say, you know, we're ready. Trey is ready. We saw it at the end of the year that Trey, you know, Trey, we don't have any concerns with Trey. Could have set the tone for the entire offseason is the way I viewed the Super Bowl week media tour that he was doing. You could have set the tone for the entire team. Told everybody, both on the team and outside of the team, there's no concern. Trey is the guy. We're going to hit the ground. We're going to be better. And instead, he sat praising Jimmy and saying, I hope Trey is as good. That, that that just to me is the wrong message to send. And I do wonder if there's some divide there in this locker room. Because we had the whole IU thing. We know IU and Trey clicked. You know They clicked like Kittle and Jimmy did. They trained together all last. Offseason, they're training again this year. There's speculation, including me. What I believe is, you know, Ayuk was in the doghouse because he thought Trey should start. I think that's what put him in the doghouse, that he might have voiced something there. And he's not the leader, though. Kittle is. Kittle needs to join that side. It's not the time to be loyal to Jimmy anymore. That doesn't mean you have to trash Jimmy. You just need to talk about Trey Lance like you talk Jimmy. Not I hope Trey Lance is as good as Jimmy. Kiddo has been
0: the ultimate hype man for Garoppolo. He talked about how he's never gonna trash his quarterback. You know, I think we need to see. I understand your frustration, but let's see when the trade actually happens. Because I what I think will happen is that once the trade happens, Jimmy Garoppolo's name is not gonna be in anybody's mouth in San Francisco anymore. And I think Kiddo's gonna get on board because Jimmy's not going to be there any longer. So He's not going to, there's no reason for him to talk about it. He's going to go back to being the hype man, to hyping up Trey. And I think that, I think Kittle is always going to pump up whoever is throwing him the ball. I mean, he talked glowingly about CJ Beathard. Now I know they were college teammates, but let's be honest, CJ Beathard couldn't play dead in a cowboy movie. So that's just who Kittle is. Um, But I do think you're right. There needs to be a shift. And I think that'll happen once the time, once the trade actually goes down, um, but, yeah, I'm just – I'm
1: tired of, of the Garoppolo talk. Like, you don't – we don't need to keep – it's going to be over. It, I mean, it's fine if if he changes tune once Jimmy's traded, but he missed an opportunity is my problem. Like, nobody's going to be getting a bunch of interviews with Kittle in the coming months. It's all season You know what I mean? The opportunity for Kittle to publicly eliminate all concerns, change the tone from the media. Because if he comes on and he says – Lance is it. We saw it and practiced it at the end of the year. He's going to be so good. Then all offseason, people aren't going to be going, hey, is Trey Lance really the guy in San Francisco? Because that, that's the tune now. There's all these like little rumors going around like, oh, maybe San Francisco brings in a veteran. He could have squashed all of that by coming out and supporting Lance as formally as he does Jimmy. That's my problem. That was the opportunity. You're not going to get it again.
0: Well, maybe... The Niners players are hedging their bets because they don't know if Tom Brady is going to be possible. That's entirely possible that, that that maybe they were told from the team, look, we love Trey, but we're going to explore all options. And if Tom Brady is
1: available, we're going to go out and get him. Yeah, I seriously doubt that. happened. There's no way this front office has told the team, hey, hedge your bets on Trey Lance because we might get Tom Brady. There's no way if this team is at all looking at Tom Brady they're not letting everybody in that building or in that locker room even know, because somebody will leak it out there. No, it's possible. You know, you don't think that if Kittle knows, Jimmy doesn't know. And if Jimmy knows, Jimmy might throw it out there to try to spur his trade. You know what I mean? Like there's just too many. This is not the time you tell the locker room anything, because a lot of these guys aren't going to be back in that locker room. So you can't trust them.
0: But maybe they told him on the exit interviews, like, Hey, don't assume anything about the quarterback situation. I know you're gonna get asked about it. You know, don't assume don't make any definitive statements one way or the other.
1: I, I seriously doubt that because that's not a message you wanna send. If you go get Tom Brady, guess what? The message has been delivered. If you if you surprise everybody end up end up with Tom Brady, people aren't gonna be jumping ship on you because they were ready for Trey Lance in that locker room. Whereas if you tell them, "Hey, don't assume anything about the quarterbacks," and then you don't get anybody else, you got veterans sitting there going, "Well, oh, these guys were looking elsewhere." You know what I mean? Like, there's just no benefit for the regime to tell players, "Hey, we might pursue quarterbacks again this year."
0: I could see your beef with Kittle. I get that, but I, I think we we need to wait and see what everybody does after the trade goes down. Then I then I could understand it a lot more. I do think it was a missed opportunity, but. Kittle is who he is, like I said, and I think he's, you know, he just really likes Jimmy. And so that uh, that's why he did what he did there. Um, Another thing you mentioned to me before we press record is Leo and I were talking on Tuesday's show about potential of the Niners having to open the season on the road in L.A. when they raise the banner. And he actually made me feel a lot better about it because he pointed out. That the Rams and the NFL are not going to want that because the Niners fans are going to take over the stadium again. And that's not really how you want to open your season when you're raising your Super Bowl banner.
1: Yeah. And that kind of, I listened to that podcast and I thought, okay, then who would they play? Because I do agree. Like, I don't see the Niners being the pick because you don't think Niners aren't going to be like, hey, let's ruin this by booing them while they get their own rings. Let's take over that stadium so we can boo them, you know? So there's Arizona. I thought could be an interesting one. They played in the playoffs and their divisional opponents. But then I went back and I looked. I was like, okay, I can't remember a Super Bowl champion opening the season against a divisional opponent. So I went back and looked. And this goes back to I think two thousand two. And there's been uh I think one year, maybe two, where the Super Bowl champion didn't actually open the season due to one issue or another. But all the other years the Super Bowl champion has been the the opener and in all but nearly 20 years there's only been two in- instances where the super bowl champion played a divisional opponent wow. and they're both the giants giants cowboys giants cowboys and it was giants and washington uh the time before that the first one for the giants hmm. that's the only one and i think that's an east coast bias thing they know that in a nfc east drives some ratings because they're old classic teams. None of the other teams have. I wonder how much one, the Super Bowl champion has saying this and that they might not want to play a divisional rival because they know it's a game where they're going to be distracted by rings. Um, I had that thought, but it, it just, to me looking at that history, I don't think it'll be a divisional opponent. So then I thought, well, who else is out there? Who is a good team that the NFL would love for ratings but wouldn't be able to take over that stadium. And there's a couple there. Dallas is not a divisional opponent, but I think they have too many fans. I'm not sure the Rams would want to risk the Cowboy fans coming and taking over. But there, there is a very intriguing one to me. They play Buffalo. That is their weird 17th game that's not part of the normal schedule. You know, the, the NFC West does not play the AFC East next year. It's the NFC West first AFC West. But they do have Buffalo as their 17th game. That is two marquee teams, two Super Bowl favorites. For Buffalo, I feel like wouldn't they rather get that crazy cross country as far as they can get travel game out of the way week one where they then have a longer break until their next game? Yeah. Like I think that one makes perfect sense. You get you get two of the top teams in the NFL squ- uh playing right away and Buffalo gets the benefit I mean Buffalo to LA is almost as far of a trip as any team in the NFL can make you know obviously like Boston to LA is probably the longest possible so to me that one makes perfect sense
0: well that's good because I hate starting the season with a divisional game they're too important to me and between you and Leo now I feel so much better about the fact that it's not going to be the 49ers uh playing against the rams in week one the cardinals thing is i think it's interesting because like they did play in the playoffs so that's always possible um but you actually have a cardinals trade idea i don't know why you came to the pod today with all these <laughs> non-49ers thoughts well it is what 49ers
1: you... thoughts it affects the 49ers all right
0: well what do you got for me here
1: well i i was just thinking about all this and i read some stuff about murray and what the team is upset about. Now there's a report out there that Murray refused to go back in a game uh because they were down big and he was thinking I'm not risking injury for this and the team was trying to persuade him go back in the game. And <laughs> he wouldn't that. go back in the game. And you got all this PR blitz going on right now where Murray's being dragged through the mud and there's thoughts that the team or some players are driving this. You know, they're the anonymous sources that Murray needs to step up and be a better leader. And then I saw Murray's response to that of, I don't worry about any of that. Now, a lot of this is probably just contract stuff, but I thought, what if this becomes the off-season topic right there with the Rogers stuff? You know, I, I think this has the potential to be one of the biggest stories of the off-season and things sour because they are in contract talks and Murray wants a big deal. I wonder if Arizona is hesitant to give him $40 million plus like he's wanting. And if that ends up souring more and more, the thought popped in my head, what if Green Bay flips Rodgers for Murray? They get mutual benefits. Arizona's an instant contender. Rodgers would, I think, be all for going warm weather, dome stadium, instant contender. And for Green Bay, hey, they get a franchise quarterback right away. And they can go ahead and pay him because they've already been paying Rodgers. So that thought popped in my head. I was like, you know, what? that's actually not all that crazy. I mean, I don't think it will happen, but... Like if Rogers truly hits the market and this Murray thing, is soured heavily between the team and Murray. That would make a heck of a lot of sense for both sets.
0: It was a crazy report. Like through all the 49ers drama with Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't remember a single like anonymous report coming out being like anonymous 49er player thinks Jimmy Garoppolo is not tough enough or something like that. Like none of that happened. And now you got Chris Mortensen coming out and he's basically like he's He's passing along anonymous sources, but it's not anonymous sources reporting on facts. It's anonymous sources reporting on opinion, which to me is a lot different. It's kind of weak. And then they trash Murray. And then he says, oh, but the organization expects that everything will die down. It's like, why would you expect that? You just drag this guy through the mud and... You know, I don't know why you want to try and ruin my offseason by projecting Aaron Rodgers to go into the (laughs) AFC West and the Niners would have to play him twice a year. That's what we need. We need
1: Aaron Rodgers and DeAndre Hopkins twice a year. We can't beat the Cardinals now. Think about that for Rodgers. Because, you know, Rodgers is probably, you know, you got to convince him to go wherever they want him to go. Rodgers could love to go to Arizona because guess what? I would guarantee Rodgers has... Extreme hatred at this point for the 49ers, and he gets two times a year to try to exact that revenge.
0: It's possible, or he gets beat twice a year because apparently the 49ers have Aaron Rodgers number more or less. It's weird. I was just thinking about this today. So the Niners beat the Rams six straight times in the regular season, but lose in the NFC Championship game. Aaron Rodgers beats the 49ers week three of the regular season, but loses in the divisional playoff game. Just sort of a weird dichotomy there. But I do yeah, think... the narratives
1: are completely different. The narrative is the Rams and McVay are above the 49ers now in Shanahan, whereas the narrative with green Bay is ha ha. the Niners still own Rogers. Well, and
0: also the playoff, the fact that they've beaten him four yeah. times in the playoffs helps. Um, but, but, this is something that Leo and I touched on on Tuesday, like the, the NFC West, there is a very real possibility that the NFC West kind of crumbles around the 49ers this offseason. Russell Wilson could be gone, which, by the way, if you want to check out my interview with Russell Wilson, go to the SB Nation NFL show YouTube page. You can download it there or you can watch it there. Excuse me. Um, Wilson could be gone. Kyler Murray and Arizona, like, there could be a split there. Sean McVay could retire. Aaron Donald could retire. All of a sudden, you look around the NFC West and you're like, holy crap. The 49ers are the most stable team in the division (laughs) and the best team in the division. Like, this this entire thing could flip in one. Now, it's doubtful that it, all of that stuff happens, but it is possible at this moment as we record on February sixteenth, twenty
1: twenty two. Yeah, possible, but I'm not gonna go there mentally at all. I'll believe it when I see it. I just don't see McVeigh stepping away at this point. I think it's more so McVeigh will step away in a few years when. Stafford has fallen off, and they're looking at, okay, we need to find a quarterback again. That's when I see that Rams franchise losing Donald, losing Stafford, losing McVeigh all at once.
0: It could be. I mean, the word is that McVeigh and Donald would just want new contracts, and that could be entirely possible. And Aaron, Do- Aaron Donald might be at the point where it's like, you know what? I've got three defensive player of the year awards, I just won a Super Bowl. If they don't want to pay me what I'm worth, why am I doing this? Like, what am I, you know, he's 30 years old. I'm sure he's got a ton of money. Like, does he need to keep bashing his body out there? I could, I think when you get to a point in your career where you have accomplished so much, there's definitely your priority shift. There's a trade off between what does another Super Bowl really add to my legacy versus what does another year of playing do to my health 10, 20 years down the line?
1: Well, there's another legacy argument there for Donald that could push him towards retirement. And that's if he retires right now, he has a very good argument for best defensive player of all time. Whereas if he plays into his 30s, he could turn into J.J. Watt. Whereas J.J. Watt, if he stayed healthy all through his 30s, he would probably be in that argument. But because he's been injured so much, he's no longer in the greatest defensive player of all time argument.
0: I mean, Donald's in a discussion, but he's not Lawrence. Taylor is the greatest defensive player of all time. And I know Aaron Donald is good. Lawrence Taylor literally caused Washington to invent a formation to try and stop him. The single back formation was invented by Washington to try and deal with Lawrence Taylor. Like it's not the same, not that Aaron Donald is not good. Not that Aaron Donald is not great, but he's not the greatest defensive player of all time. I'm
1: sorry. He's in the argument. If he gets a bunch of injuries and doesn't play much in his 30s like J.J. Watt, he's not going to be in that uh, argument anymore. He could retire right now and secure his legacy is what I'm saying. Like A lot of times, in order to be in the greatest of all time argument, you need to stay really productive through age 35 and then you can be in the argument. Not the case for Aaron Donald. He's done so much already that his legacy is secured if he retires. Like There's nothing he could gain i guess the only way he could gain anything is if he plays through his 30s and he wins like two more it's going to be kind of the tom brady super bowl argument for him being the greatest of all time he has five defensive player of the year awards you know or something like that where you can't really argue against it if he gets that many yeah
0: so we'll see what happens with the with the nfc west it's never boring man i swear Um, There's a couple other 49ers things we want to get to. There's an article up on NinersNation.com right now about why the 49ers should let Lakin Tomlinson walk. Uh, I saw a tweet from somebody, I can't remember who it was, basically that said that Tomlinson and the Niners are going to start talking about a a contract and see where that goes. Where do you come down on the Lakin discussion, Levin? Because Trent Williams loves him and was singing his praises. And not that I think that, i know you can't keep all of your guys if you're the 49ers but the one thing i love about lakin tomlinson is he's never hurt the dude is always there and how many guys on the 49ers can we say that about
1: right so where i fall on lincoln tomlinson is i'm willing to overpay a little bit to make sure he comes back because he is too valuable and i think leo hit this on the head in his podcast where they're going to have some turnover on this offensive line, most likely. So you want to bring back any of them that you can that are quality. And Tomlinson is that. You know, you want to try to convince Mack to not retire. I would be willing to give Tomlinson an extra million or two a year to get him to come back. And I look at it this way. So Track does estimates on market value of top free agents. They don't have one out for Tomlinson yet. But they do have one out for Brandon Sharif or Sharif. I can't remember which one that is. I forgot Scherf. to look that up. Sharif. Um, but he has five Pro Bowls and one All-Pro. He has a better resume than Tomlinson. And they put him at 12.9 estimated average value. Guards aren't that expensive. To me, for Tomlinson, if it's anything $10 million or less, I'm going to pull the trigger on it. I would much rather it be 8 million or less, but you know, if you, if you say, here's an $8 million a year deal and he says, no, I want nine and a half, I'm not letting him walk over that 1.5 million is where I'm at with him. That's fair.
0: Um, but like, I, I have made the point in other pods, like don't fall in love with your guys. You can't bring everybody back. You can upgrade in some places, like don't get too attached to the people on the roster, but it's fair to ask whether Tomlinson does hold more value for the 49ers than he would for other teams, given the stuff you talked about. The other thing is, if you let Tomlinson go, then you potentially have to replace your left guard, your center, if Alex Mack walks away, your right guard, which has been a black hole for you, and your right tackle is coming back from a major, major, potentially career-altering injury. Do you really want to have questions at four out of your five offensive line spots when the entire offense only functions when the offensive line all gets on the same
1: page? I don't think you can do that. No, I don't think you can. And the other benefit to bringing Tomlinson back is it kind of guarantees this is one side of the line that we know we can run behind. That right side is going to be a massive question mark. I think counting on McClinchy. It is not something you can do if he comes back and he's able to play and he's able to play at a pretty good level. Th- that is, you know, a bonus with that injury. You just can't expect that, you know, with him already being, if you want to call him an above average right tackle, I'm fine with that. Um, but with that injury, you know, you expect him to not be able to be the same guy. So that means you're getting an average to below average tackle. And that's if he can play at all. So I don't think you can count on that, which means the Niners need to make sure they bring in a quality backup that if they need to can start the entire season because McGlinchey isn't able to come back. Like that is one of the hardest injuries to come back from. So I just, I just think you, you I'm kind of in with McGlinchey where I was with uh, Verrett last off season. You want to bring him back. Just don't count on him. And the problem is the Niners counted on Verrett staying healthy. Um, but that that's where I'm at with that tackle position, which means you want continue or you want the same guys as much as you possibly can get elsewhere. So you don't want to let Tomlinson walk because that's just too much of the offensive line that you got to worry about. Too much of installing and getting guys to learn your offense because the guards in this offense do have a different role than in a lot of other offenses. They have to pull a lot more. So one, you got to find a guy athletic enough for that also happens to be pretty good that's easier said than done i just don't see how you can let tomlinson walk unless he's somehow gets an offer out there from another team that's at 12 million and he says match it or i'm walking well at that point you probably let him walk
0: are you buying into the idea that aaron banks can just step in for lake and tomlinson at left guard
1: uh hell f- no <laughs> oh come on now. like I, I certainly hope so but this whole idea that fans are putting out there, I, I, to me, it's a philosophical or a psychological reason. They want to feel good about the potential of Tomlinson maybe not coming back. That, well, Banks is there. So it, it's okay. You know, they're kind of protecting themselves from the bad reality of Aaron Banks couldn't even dress.
0: Right. Maybe if he, he was just truly
1: the replacement <laughs> plan, that would mean that he was the backup this past season, which would mean he would have been dressing. The fact that he didn't even dress means he was not the backup to Tomlinson. He's not the future of that position unless he makes some kind of dramatic turnaround in in the offseason. The fact he didn't even dress tells you everything. He was not ready. That doesn't mean that he can't figure something out in this offseason, but it, it's highly unlikely. Guys who don't dress as rookies don't turn into really good players pretty much ever.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, to me, I look at it almost like the way I looked at Jalen Herb coming into the season, which is like, if this guy gives you anything, that's 100% gravy, but I'm just going to count them out. Assume it's not working out. We're not going to get anything from him. And then if that changes and I'm wrong, hooray, like that'd be great. But I agree with you. Like he wasn't, he wasn't a backup. He was, the team said, literally, we are better if there is no chance you get into a game than if, Eight guys get injured and we need to bring you into the game. That is very telling to me. The Ambry Thomas story is not a very common one. And I think that Thomas, uh, you got to factor in the fact that he opted out of his last year of right. college football. So he was maybe that was part of the the adjustment to the league, plus the rust he had from not playing. So maybe plus, that's a factor. Cornerback
1: wide. is a much more difficult to get up to speed position. So like you don't yeah. see rookies come in and hit the ground running at cornerback all that often whereas offensive line you know, if they were drafted to be starters they almost always are the starter especially in the second round
0: we're not talking about a fifth round this isn't jalen moore we're talking about here it's yeah, aaron it's Banks,
1: almost a top 50 pick i so, think he was what 51st yeah so, that's like a... that, that's an ex- it's not just a second round pick thrown in at the end like that that's a very very valuable pick that they can say what they want they drafted banks because they thought he could start at right guard last season
0: i agree uh, to me, you don't take a guard that high unless you think he could do that. the The idea that the Niners picked all these guys and just thought, yeah, we could sit and wait a year for all them to develop is it's absurd. I mean, Kyle Shanahan literally said, "I didn't think Ambry Thomas was going to develop into anything based on how he started." Like he literally said those words, so it wasn't like, oh, well, we knew he would come around. Even though that's the crap that John Lynch tried to sell you, Kyle Shanahan told you the real thing. We didn't think he was any good, and now it turns out that he looks like he can have a role on this team. I'm not penciling in Ambry Thomas as the number two corner. I think he can be a solid contributor, which is fine, by the way. I'm totally fine with that. I don't think that's a disappointment, but I'm also not just saying, oh, yeah, Manuel Mosley and Ambry Thomas, bam, they're our starting corners. We're done.
1: Like, hell no. Well, you need good depth anyways, and you're not going to convince a quality depth piece to come in to be number three. They're going to want to start. That doesn't mean you guarantee them a starting gig when you sign them in the in free agency or wh- however they bring in somebody else. But yeah, I think Thomas likely starts next year, but you don't count on it. You still pursue guys that could start over him because you need that depth. Hopefully they've learned that lesson after the last couple of years. <laughs> you would think. I mean, geez,
0: <laughs> we'll see. I, I feel like the 49ers have every second and third round pick in this year's draft, which is sort of a weird thing uh i think that they are going to find a way to get back into the first round for what it's worth i don't know whether it's through the you know getting a first for jimmy garoppolo which i don't think is going to happen but could it's still possible
1: but here's the thing with getting a first for jimmy th- there's nothing stopping the niners from adding a draft pick to make it a first round pick right like th- that was the thing like you know i heard once again you and leah do that that segment uh And you walked on getting a first round for Jimmy. To me, I would have leased it because I don't think they can get the 11th pick from Washington. But could somebody in the 20s say, hey, we'll give you number 20. You give us your second round pick and Jimmy. I think the Niners could do that because guess what? You could trade down from 20 to like 25, 30 and you pick up that second round pick back. Right. So you're right. I was only
0: thinking of it in terms of just Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, But if they combined some assets in there, that's entirely possible. Um, I do think it would be hilarious. I mean, the idea that the 49ers, that Washington would give away a first round pick for the 11th overall, I mean, for Jimmy Garoppolo is insane. What did they get? What did the Niners get for Buckner? Was it the 13th pick in the draft? Something like that? Yeah, I think it was 13. Buckner is infinitely better at his position than Jimmy Garoppolo is at his so the idea that they could get 11 for Jimmy, well, that would blow my mind. But, again, I don't know that that's going to happen. But, anyway, that's the situation as we see it with the 49ers. The Kittle take is ent- – I'm going to be interested to hear people's reaction to that, which, by the way, you can always hit us up. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at StatsOnFire. Eleven is at LTBlackNiners. You got an issue with what he said about Kittle? You disagree? You agree? Whatever. Feel free to hit us up. We are always, always here to talk about it. It's going to be a crazy offseason. We keep saying it. I told Leo on the show on Tuesday, I think this is going to be at least a two emergency podcast offseason because one for sure, whenever Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded, like we'll probably go live when that happens. And I think there's going to be some other thing. I don't know what it's going to be, but something else is going to happen where where I'm sending out a group text to all of you saying, who can do a show with me right now?
1: I'm lonely. Talk to me. Sometimes I just need friends. (laughs) All
0: right, everybody. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your off season. Like I said, we'll be back next week. Hit us up at any time. And as always, go Niners.